0: You can contact Casey at casey.burns at Primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at ww.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey everybody.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt Lift Eat Official. I'm Carter McKenzie here with Bobby. And uh tonight we're just hanging out.
2: We're being casual tonight, Bobby. It's kind of nice, dude. Yeah, I feel like it's like a night off, but not a night off. This It feels really good. I've actually,
1: like, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. This Tuesday has felt like a, I don't know, fucking Thursday or Friday. It's just like whipped my ass this past Monday and Tuesday. So I've been looking forward to this conversation all day, ready to, to unwind
2: and, and de-stress and, and talk some hunting stories here. So this will be good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just the week's dragging for me, too, because it's been raining since, like, January here, it feels like, and my arc's not done being built, so we're just, you know, it's just gloomy and disgusting here. So this is, this is a breath of uh, fresh air. God. New Jersey needs
1: to hire you, man. It's like, hey, you guys should move here.
2: Yeah, just definitely. Just- definitely move to the States. Fucking peachy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so uh,
1: listeners, Bobby and I had this brilliant idea. This is going to really take off here. Um, we had this brilliant idea. We're going to start a new mini series here called Success in the Field. Success, working title, Success Somewhere. <laughs> success in the Outdoors, uh, where we're going to have folks on from the Deep team talk about uh, hunts that they've been on, where they've been successful. Um, and we're going to kind of unpack those, and we can get into every nook and cranny of everything involved from logistics to... The hunt itself to lessons learned to your favorite pieces of gear to what you've been cooking uh, post hunt and uh, everything in between. If that if that sounds good to you, Bobby.
2: Oh, 100 percent. I'm fully on board with this. This is lovely. And the title will work out later. We don't need that right now. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Details, man. Details.
1: All right, we got two uh, awesome guests tonight. We got uh well, we'll go from we'll go from east to west cuz Bobby and I are east coast boys. So, we'll go east to west. We got Chris Page coming back on the podcast. What's going on, Chris?
3: How you doing? Happy to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: Good, man. Thanks for uh thanks for representing, you know. Is Connecticut New England? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. thanks Hard for representing New England for us, right? <laughs> yeah. We appreciate it. Good representation here. And then uh, moving west to the great state of Colorado. Eric Larson uh, Hunt Lifty team member joining us. Going to talk about a recent outcome, man. What's going on, Eric?
0: How much, man? How you guys doing?
1: We're good, dude. Glad to get you on your first uh, your first podcast with us, man. And appreciate you taking the time.
0: Absolutely, I, I appreciate you guys having me on.
1: Heck yeah, man! Well, uh, if you're anything like the three of us, which I know you are, uh, hearing other people's hunting stories gets me fired up. Uh, I feel like I like hearing about other people's success stories more than my own like i find myself getting like i was amped when you showed me those pictures of not to spoil it but that the pictures of those elk eric i was i was like over the moon about it. i was like so pumped about it
0: yeah it was uh it was it was pretty awesome obviously we'll get into the story here but uh it, it was pretty surreal for a while it took a while to kick in
1: yeah absolutely That's super cool. And that's something I've never experienced. And the same thing with you, Chris, your, your story is something else I haven't experienced. So I was just as pumped for you.
3: Yeah, man. It was exciting. First time for me as well. So
1: awesome. All right, let's move. Let's move east to west. Chris, why don't you, why don't you kick us off tonight uh, with your story, introduce, introduce, set the scene, you know, and uh, lay it out for us.
3: Yeah. So uh, this year, early September, I went on a black bear hunt up in Maine. Uh, It was about six hours from here. I kind of fell into the bear hunt, kind of like things just keep getting better and better for me. I drew a moose tag in June for Maine, which is a once in a lifetime tag. I've only been applying three years, drew the tag, was super excited, and uh, I was kicking around on YouTube. I was going to try to do a DIY hunt, as kind of foolish as that sounds. So I was going to try to do this DIY hunt was stumbling around on YouTube and found a video by a group of guys. I follow called hunting Emmy. Um, they're based out of Maine and I reached out to them, to see if they would be willing to guide me on a moose hunt. And the reason I reached out to them was because I love the way that they did this moose hunt. Um, their video is called the dream. It went to uh, the full draw film festival this year. Um, it was a finalist for the full draw film festival. Um, it was just, a the production was awesome. And it just like the way they did the hunt, they camped out. They did the whole hunt on foot. Um, and the way they hunt moose in Maine, it, a lot of the, like the traditional old school guys will hunt moose. They'll just ride around in a pickup truck for the entire week of the season. And shoot the moose from the road. And that, that wasn't really kind of how I wanted to do it, especially a, a once in a lifetime hunt like that. So I reached out to them because I liked the way they did it. They obliged and it was off to the races and we were, were planning and and uh, going on. What do you got?
1: When you say once in a lifetime hunt, does that mean after you draw this tag, you can't draw it again? You, or once in a lifetime as in like your chances are so slim? It's Your
3: chances are so slim. So I'm not allowed to apply again for three years. Gotcha. Um, and then I can start applying again, but the, I mean, you have, I think that a non-resident has something like a 1% chance of drawing
1: gotcha. Uh,
3: and a resident has around, I want to say a 13% chance. Um, so even their chances are real slim, but I'll likely never draw again. So I'm just going to enter all my friends, <laughs> everybody I know with a hunting license is going to get entered and hopefully I'll be able to tackle. <laughs> so, uh, So anyways, I I hire these guys. It's uh, John and Will Altman. Um, And Will Altman is Donnie Vincent's director of photography. Um, He's his cameraman. And if you've seen anything related to Donnie Vincent, Will has most likely either like videotaped it or taken the picture. Um, They kind of go everywhere together. And I did not, I didn't know that when I I reached out to them. That was just kind of something that a, came up. What a wild as, uh, coincidence. Yeah. And if, so if you it, don't
1: know who Donnie Vincent is, he's one of the coolest dudes in the entire world. I mean, I want to be him when I grow up. That guy is so yeah, freaking cool. Yeah.
3: It was like one of those things where I'd been following their page on YouTube for a few years. They did a video series um, called Bucks, and it was on Realtree 365. And that's how I found out about him. That was like 2019. Uh, maybe even earlier, but anyways, uh, so I, I reached out to them and we've been playing in the hunt ever since. So they just picked up a lease for bears this year. This is kind of how the bears tie into the whole thing. Picked up a lease for bears and, uh, they had asked me if I wanted to go. And at that time, it really didn't seem like it was going to work out. Fast forward to a few days i mean in late august a week or two before i ended up leaving and uh they they reached back out and said hey we we'd like to have you up in bear camp uh, we want to get to know you before the moose hunt if this is something you want to do we'd love to have you have a, as a guest up there so i said all right i'll be there tuesday <laughs> so
1: <laughs> so they're just being good dudes and we're just like, oh hey, yeah come up we, we want to hang out with you
3: yeah, exactly. Yep. They, they wanted to get to know me, kind of know, I, I'm guessing, I mean, they're going to be spending a week with me next week for this right. Moose hunt. So I'm right. sure they want to at least know what they're getting into. The Here, come up, come up for a couple of days and we'll test the waters and make sure this is going to work kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they're just, I mean, they're just such good people. Um, I can't say enough about them. Just as far as outdoorsmen go, they're top notch. As far as people go, they're great people. Um so I I'm really excited. So I leave for the moose hunt Friday. Um that coming up uh, Friday Saturday we're going to drive up. It's it's about 10 hours from where I am and about 5ish hours from where they are in Maine. So it's pretty up there. It's zone 1, it's where we're going to be hunting. So, but anyways, for the bear hunt, it was going to be three days so basically three evenings we didn't hunt mornings at all which i, d- I didn't really know that getting up there either so i kind of threw together all my stuff basically a few days before I, uh before we were going to hunt i had just found out about kind of how things were going to play out so threw threw everything together and uh shot up to me so i get in the camp and it it's just awesome. Like picturesque. It's in the mountains. We were, uh, we were close to uh, Moosehead Lake, which is kind of almost dead center in the state, somewhat near Katahdin, um, which is uh, the end of the Appalachian Trail, the northernmost point of the Appalachian Trail. So it's kind of a popular area. But we were just in logging country. And there was like, we were off logging roads and they had a wall tent that they were set up in and they had a, like a seek teepee for me to stay in. And I had this whole 12 man teepee to myself and it was awesome. Um, they had the wall tent, we cooked burgers and, uh, I mean, they were just, they were living up there for the last essentially two to three weeks. So they, they had everything really squared away. I mean, the camp was incredible. Great time. It was, it was remote. I mean, wilderness camp and it was not like there was no campsite it was just we found a or they had found a clearing on the side of a login road and said this will do so
1: now have you hunted bear specifically or targeted bear before no. like intentionally
3: nope so i've hunted in vermont as well uh, and in vermont you get a bear tag with your deer license so yeah. the first year i ever hunted vermont i was wicked i was like all about it. Like I'm not even going to hunt deer. I'm going to hunt bear the whole time. Well, I, (laughs) I had never seen a bear. I've been hunting in Vermont for probably six or seven years and I have never seen a bear this spring was the first year, the first time I've ever seen a bear. Um, this was the third bear I'd ever seen. And I saw, I did see the first bear in Vermont. We were camping at like a campground and the bear was coming around, getting into people's coolers and stuff. Right. So that was was the first bear ever. Yeah
1: here in Georgia you're allowed to shoot two black bears up here in the mountains and I hunt a lot and I'm always like yeah if I see a bear I'm definitely gonna shoot one never see a bear I have them all over my trail cam pictures all over them but yeah always at night and whenever I'm not there and uh so I I guess I've never yeah I've never really been able to like target one but I was uh, I always feel like yeah if I ever saw one in the in the stand I'd, I'd shoot Eric. Do you, do y'all hunt bear out in Colorado?
0: It's kind of the same deal. We, um, they don't have a spring bear bear season like they do in a lot of Western states, which is kind of a bummer cause I would love to hunt bear as well. Yeah. Um, so recently they changed it. So you kind of get a, uh, like an add on tag for, uh, your rifle or your archery as well. So I see them just like you on trail cameras Uh, you know, I might see one at a distance, whatever one, marcher hunting, but, um, I I have yet to kill one myself. So I'm in the same boat you are.
1: Yeah, that's cool. More of an opportunity kind of thing.
3: Right. Yeah. So in Maine, you can hunt over bait and that's the way they do it. Like that's a big draw to Maine is being able to hunt over bait. Um, a lot of places, especially in new England, you're not allowed to bait. Um, so that, that was kind of a, that, that's a huge driving bear factor for Maine. And initially I really, I wouldn't say I was apprehensive to hunt over bait, but you kind of think like, oh, hunting over bait's going to be easy. But the, like I said, the bears are so smart. Um, they, it's not like hunting a deer where they're just playing the wind. And if the wind's good, there a go. If it's not a, if they smell something they are they're not coming. They, they know you're there. They smell you. They know when you leave, um, that it's, it's crazy how, How keen they are. We're we're pulling trail cameras uh as we're getting into our stands. And like from the night before, we would leave the stand at whatever, whatever it was, 745, and at 755 the bear strolling and sniffing around, starting to hit the bait. Which that in itself is a little unsettling, too. Like I was less than 10 minutes away from passing this bear in the woods. You can't hear them. They're absolutely silent like giant Um, ninjas yeah it's crazy (laughs) and that i had always heard that like oh you can't hear the bears um but i like you have to you have to see it to be able to experience just how quiet they are it's it's wild uh so i roll in the camp the first night and that was the first time i had met will john hadn't gotten him back into camp yet he had left um so we hit it off we're just chatting and talking, hunting and outdoors and everything. And I'm asking him tons of questions about what he does with the filming. And and I was just I mean, I was blown away by that. I'm kind of starting to get into a little hobby filming and uh, photography too. So that was like, that was really cool to talk to him about that. So then john rolled in. Uh, and john's youngest or younger son, rye. And He was 12 years old. He had shot a bear the week before, so he was coming up just to hang out. Great kid. It's cool to see younger kids like that coming up and being interested in the outdoors and spending weeks on end with their families in a tent and everything. So it was cool to be a part of that little family environment too. Uh, So we got into camp, and then we kind of hung out for a little bit, and then later that afternoon around – Probably two o'clock. We loaded up the bait bags, which were just these like forty liter dry bags with bait, and they were using uh, like oats and trail mix and pop tarts and jelly rings. And I was eating the jelly rings out of the bait barrel and <laughs> and uh, a bunch of stuff Oreos they had been using. All the so, good stuff. Yeah, it was it was smell delicious. It's <laughs> like
1: snacks that whitetail hunters would carry into the stand, anyways.
3: Yeah, and you're bringing around 50 pounds of it at a at a time. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm not fat. I'm just bear hunting. That's, yeah. that's what
0: all that shit's for. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like the exact snacks I take with me in my my elk pack, too, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. So, we uh we get to the first site and uh it was that was the stand I was going to sit and we get in, we bait it uh will pulls the card from the camera and there is a monster of a sow on this card coming in almost daily it was uh like estimated to be like 300 plus pounds um and then a younger not a cub but a, a younger bear coming around too uh not with her but kind of on his own looked like a younger boar probably 100 170 pounds 150 to 170 pounds and we had talked and that was kind of what i was looking for bear wise was something 150 to 175 pounds that in maine is that's your average bear that's like a a good shooter bear Um, there's other parts of the country where you don't even think about shooting them until they break 350 pounds or they start creeping up on 400 pounds Um, and we had a few of those on camera too but i mean i'm not i would never shot a bear before so (laughs) <laughs> I was not in any position to be real picky. So, was it a,
1: was it an either sex tag? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can,
3: yeah. Uh, I wouldn't shoot. I think I don't, it's like a thing. You don't shoot the the sows with cubs and you don't shoot a cub. Right. Yeah. You can't do that uh, here either. Yeah. So they gave, they gave me like uh kind of like check boxes to hit as I'm looking at the bears that's coming in and, one of the things they said was, if the shoulders are as tall as the barrel, like on all fours, the shoulders are as tall as the barrel, shoot the bear because that's a big bear. Um, and if it can feed out of the hole in the barrel, that's also that's a big bear. That's one you'd want to shoot too. If it's got to like climb up into the hole to to feed, then it's probably a smaller bear. So, um, but anyways, that first night, I didn't. I ended up not seeing anything uh will had one pretty much dead to rights under his tree and he was th- thinking that one was like a 180 to 190 pound bear real close uh he was hemming and hawing over it but he didn't want to shoot anything under 200 pounds so he hauled out um so we sat till dark and headed back to camp made dinner i think we had burgers that night we ate good. We had burgers and salad and veggies. It was awesome. Um, and then hung out for a while and packed it in, went to bed and, uh, it was real nice, not hunting mornings. I was kind of expecting that we would be hunting morning and night, but so I mean, we're sleeping until seven o'clock and waking up with the sun it was that in itself, it was kind of like relaxing. I've never been able to relax when I've hunted before. Cause it's always go, 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 go. Got to get up, get up, out late, getting back into camp late, getting up early. So, so yeah, what's, it was, it was good the idea really. there.
1: You just don't hunt them in the morning.
3: No, they're, they're not as predictable in the morning, it seems. Um, and all the camera polls show that every now and then they're there in the morning, but you're either kicking them off the bait, mm. uh, as you're going in, in the dark, or they just, they're already back to bed, um, or wherever they go. So I don't, I don't know for certain. I I wasn't expecting that. Like I said, I was expecting to be hunting the whole time. So that first morning I was thinking, oh man, this is awesome. (laughs) I'm not tired. I'm not cranky. (laughs) I'm well fed. This is going to be great. So, uh, so yeah, after that, that was the first morning we kind of, we, we ran to some more bait sites, um, baited some of the other sites. There were 10, 10 bait sites and only two and then one one night there were only a couple of us hunting so we kind of had a like a good rotation going so night night two rolls around uh i went back to that same stand i sat the first night and the reason being was because that that big sow was so consistent that we were thinking she was going to come back but night two she didn't come back either um and that, that was when we pulled the camera from the night before and had seen that she came back like within half an hour of me leaving the stand the first night. So we, uh, that yeah, second night we didn't see anything. And then day three when we were baiting, we pulled the card again and she didn't show up that second night at all. So that's why I didn't see her. So then... Uh, Day three, kind of more the same shooting bows, hanging out, um, just talking, hunting and, and having a good time. And, and then the afternoon rolls around and they drove me out to another stand. It was probably 20 to 30 minutes from the site. Um, kind of a more, one of the more remote sites and they had a bear on this bait. I would say like, uh, either the week before or two weeks before that I was up there cause they had been running this for a little while, a couple of weeks anyway. Um, and they had, they had other guests and stuff up there, other clients and they, uh, they had seen a bear, but the bear came in and laid behind the barrel and then would take off and then come in and lay behind the barrel. So it never offered a shot and then ended up taking off before the end of legal light and didn't come back in shooting light. So I, uh, get up in the stand, they drop me, they dropped me off probably about a half a mile from the, uh, from the stand. I hike in, get to the stand and I'm sitting and I had no service in this spot. So it was, a, it was kind of a longer sit. I'm like whittling sticks and like just staring at the woods to to kill time. It was like being a kid again, hunting with no cell phone or just you, your thoughts. And I guess kind of the way most people think that hunting should be, but <laughs> so. Chris, did about- it ever
1: feel like disconcerting, like sitting there knowing that you're waiting on like a large predator to come around into bow range, like with food that they want to eat there? Like, did it ever feel
3: yeah, like, coming when you. You know, when a deer is not
1: going to climb up in the tree with you, but like, right, right. A bear, you know.
3: When I was sitting, I was never real real worried about it. I mean, now you see all the time videos of the bears climbing the bottom of the tree. They climb right up to the tree. Of the hunter sniff the hunter and climb back yeah, down. And that's wild. I kind of imagine that that's pretty rare, um, so I wasn't really worried about that. I did not like leaving the stand at to night. walk out at night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, see that. Just because they're so quiet, like you wouldn't even know if you bumped one. It's not like a deer where where you bump a deer and it crashes and runs away. And and it, I mean, they're, they're more afraid of you than we are of them. So it's not right. like they're, it's not like a, a grizzly where if you, if you start coming in between the food and guarding the food, then they're going to come after you or see you as a threat. So fortunately they're, they're definitely run away first before they would attack. But yeah, it is a little unsettling. Especially, like I said, walking out in the dark.
2: Um, yeah, I would imagine you wouldn't want to like spook one.
3: Yeah, no, uh, no. Once, I'll tell you once what, I, if I, <laughs> if I, if I
2: walk up on one in the woods, I'm gonna turn into one of those fainting goats and just fucking fall right over. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> like that's no way I'm making it out of there. Not one bit. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some of these bears around here, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's like it's so when you actually see a bear, it's like, it, I don't know, it's kind of, it's not really mind blowing cause I'm there to look for the bear, but like you, the appreciation, just like, it's incredible. It's kind of like, yeah, I was in awe just like watching this thing move and, and, uh, and like come down the hill. So yeah, I'd been, it was like six 30 when I first saw it and it was starting to get dark, but I think, uh, sunset was right around seven. So I had a quite a bit of time left. um, And I'm looking up, I look to my left and there was a steep, it was more like a knoll behind like the bait barrel. So like it rose up probably 30 feet before it like turned into like a little ridge. And I'm looking to my left up this knoll and there's like a dark shadow. And I'm thinking, I didn't think it got that dark already. And then the shadow starts making its way down the hill and that my heart came out of my chest. So. I have a, like a whoop, like a fitness tracker, heart monitor thing that I wear for like recovery tracking and fitness tracking and that. And afterwards I looked at the, my heart rate and it went from like 62 when I was just sitting there hanging out to 157 instantly, like (laughs) direct spike. So I was, I was pretty excited. Like you were doing sprints. Yep so I was tucked into this tree. Perfect. Like the tree kind of like wrapped around me wrapped around to my right. So I could like, even when I was sitting there, I could kind of like lean into the tree and just kick back and relax. And, uh, so now this bear's coming and he makes his way down the hill, makes it about halfway down the hill and stops and turns around and walks away. And I'm like, here we go. This bear's going to do the same thing to me did to the, this last dude that sat here. So I can see him through the leaves and he starts making his way back again and it's like he makes it a little bit farther and stops and then kind of mills around a little bit, coming right at me, didn't offer a shot at all, and then walks back up the hill. So now I'm like, I'm just like on this roller coaster of, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it going to happen? Oh, my God, it's happening. Oh, no, it's not going to happen. So finally he comes down, he's close to the barrel, and he is now facing, his head is behind the barrel, so he can't see me. Um, but he's perfectly broadside. So I grab my bow, I stand up, and I draw. And that perfect cozy tree that I was leaning into on my right minutes before was now preventing me from reaching full draw. I could not get to full draw. So I'm like trying to shift my body to my left to my bow hand to allow a few extra inches to pull, like with my my release hand. And I am like, I'm like, what the hell? I can't. I couldn't make it happen and as i'm doing this i'm like shifting my upper body and i don't know if my thumb caught or the thumb button caught my coat or like caught my face or what but i hit the trigger and the boat went off like i wasn't even settled i wasn't into my peep yet i wasn't trying to hit the trigger but i hit something with the trigger and send an arrow like three feet to the left of this bear and the bear takes off running up the hill and i am just totally dejected like what the hell just happened so now I'm like kicking myself, like, oh, I just screwed it. Like, there's no way a bear's coming back. Uh, I'm never going to see that bear again. This was my last night. So I might as well, like, I mean, I'm going to stick it out, but I'm not real optimistic at all anymore. So then I start thinking, well, there were two other bears on this bait on the camera. So maybe we'll just maybe I'll, well i'll definitely knock an arrow maybe i'll see one of those bears so i knock an arrow and this time i stay standing and i move all the way to the left in the stand so that i got room to clear that tree on the right or that branch on the right and i just kind of hang out and now i'm just i'm just waiting so after about 15 minutes the i heard uh you hear the the bears like if if they know something's wrong, but they don't know what, they'll pop their teeth like a like a clack, like a uh, like they'll snap their jaw. Like so, pop. I uh, I heard two quick pops, and I'm thinking to myself like I kind of sounded like a bear popping its jaw, like like clacking its teeth. And no sooner did I have that thought, I hear it like nails coming down a tree, like just the claws ripping down a tree, like sliding down, like like coming down and I didn't hear him climb up the tree, but I definitely heard him coming down. And that is the only time I heard any bears ever. So now I'm looking where I hear that noise and here comes the shadow again. He's coming back. So he's like real cautious starts coming down this knoll. Same guy, for sure. Ridge. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I would imagine. Yeah. So, um, Starts coming down this knoll. He he walked right up to the arrow, sniffed the arrow, and took off running again. So I'm like, "Here I am, back on this roller coaster." Like now, it's not gonna happen. Now he knows, and within 30 seconds, Harry he comes back, real slow, sniffs the arrow. Now he's kind of okay with the arrow, and he just kind of like starts slinking back down, right to the the bait barrel. So I'm waiting for him to stick his head in the bait barrel. Cause then you're, you're, I mean, he can't see you. You can draw, you can make a little bit of noise. Um, so he never went to the barrel this time. He went behind the barrel and he's like milling around behind the barrel. So now I have no shot. I got my hand on the bow. My release is on the D loop and I'm just waiting for him to do anything that is going to offer me a shot. So it takes a couple steps. Now he's going right to left. And his head was, as his head was behind the barrel and he was still behind it. Um, I drew and now he's going right to left, perfectly broadside, get settled in my peep and start pulling into the shot. Bo goes off, hits him. So with a bear, you aim for what they call middle of the middle, which is like, uh, you aim for the dead center of the front shoulder and the rear hip. It's not like a deer where you hug that front shoulder. There's no vitals right behind the shoulder or there's a real small area of vitals right behind the shoulder like there is on a mm. deer and it's very heavily protected by the scapula in a bear. Um, there's a lot more bone matter in the scapula. So you don't want to hit that and even if you do hit that the chances of you actually getting lung or heart are very slim. It's not they're anatomically set up totally different than deer. So aim for middle of the middle on this bear hit exactly where I was aiming. And the thing takes off running and, uh, and that was the end of it. So I, I had my, uh, my Zolio, like a satellite communicator. I'm texting my wife like, Oh, he came back. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just shot him. He came back. I'm texting John, uh, the guide. And he was like, all right, awesome. So, uh, they drove back out to meet me and Will had dropped me off because he was hunting a stand that was a little bit further. So he drops me off. And, uh, right as John was getting to me, Will was coming up to pick me up and Will didn't have any communication. And he was like, well, I know if dad's here, there's only one reason why, <laughs> why he would be up here. So he kind of, he knew right away and shot one. And
1: did you know you wh- drilled it?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I was real confident with the shot. I like, I, I couldn't like see impact cause it just, I mean, it just disappeared in the, in the fur. I got a perfect pass through. Um, but it, everything went perfect that time around. So we started tracking it. Um, bears typically don't bleed, especially not like deer. So this bear was bleeding pretty good as well. Uh, the arrow looked good. So everything was pointing to, to a good shot as well. So I was feeling confident rolling up on it. Um, there were a handful long, of us.
1: How long do you wait for a bear? It's about the same as a whitetail, if you, like good shot, like 30 minutes or whatever.
3: Yeah, I would say from the time I shot it until the time we were tracking it again was all of 30 minutes, probably 45 minutes to an hour, just by the time that that they got there and we, we got geared up to, to head back out. And, um, they had sidearms too. So they're registered guides and main guides are allowed to dispatch an animal at night with a sidearm, but I am not. So it almost didn't even make sense for me to carry because now I got to prove that if I right. did ever have to shoot a bear, I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, prove you did it out of self-defense. So I, I would, I mean, it's almost pointless for me to carry a signer, um and just let the guides deal with it just to adhere to the, the letter of the law. Um, so yeah, we ended up finding the bear after about 70, 75 yard track. And uh Walking up to the thing, it's kind of like your first time ever, like, going to, like, a a professional sports game where you see the field and you're like, oh, that's it. (laughs) Like, it it looks so much bigger. (laughs) So, there was a little bit of ground shrinkage, and I knew it was a good bear just based on uh, the comparison to the barrel. Like, it was as tall as the barrel, and uh, it it, it was a good bear, um, especially for Maine. But look at like when you walk up to it, you, I just, I don't know. I expected it to, to be bigger. Was be like, a oh. giant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I would, it's, it's a really hard, it's really hard to describe. Cause when you shoot a small deer, you know, you shoot a small deer. Um, but when you shoot a, a big bear, it still feels like a small bear, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but, uh, but anyways, yeah. So we, Will climbed a tree and hung a sapling, like a, a dead sapling up between the crotch of a tree and tied it off to a, another trunk. And we hung the bear right there and weighed it. And it was about 218 pounds. Um, it, but that included like the the gambrel and the rope. So we call it 215. And uh, we tried to drag it out using like this sked sled kind of thing that we had. And uh, we ripped the all the loops out of the sked. so we ended up putting it on a pole, like a, another sapling, and carrying it out. Dude, tight.
1: that picture of that bear with its paws tied on the sapling or the log and uh, over your shoulders—it it was like every. I was like, "Oh, this man's Davy Crockett. This man's living my dream. <laughs> like that's like that's like 1600s, like early colonial era. That's how." That's how they carried everything in every cartoon, every picture, every painting I've ever seen of hunting at the beginning of the new world. Like I was like, I want that. That's so cool. That's so cool.
3: I've done that with a deer once here in Connecticut and it was a pain in the ass because all we did was (laughs) tie the legs Yeah, and that thing was swinging all over the place. Oh, it was miserable. (laughs) So they do this all the time for a couple of reasons. One, because you don't want to damage the coat if you're going to get any taxidermy done with it. And two in Maine, it is just so thick that you it it's just constantly like you're constantly working around saplings and whips and and all that. So you got to get it off the ground in order to to really move it. Otherwise, it's just miserable. So so yeah, we got it out of the woods, uh, got it back in camp. We. We dunked it in a mountain stream that was up there. I don't know how cold the water was, but it was frigid. Um, Just standing there, my feet weren't wet, but my toes were completely numb just from standing in a couple inches of water. Even though they were dry, it was freezing cold. So we got the core temp cooled down, uh, brought it back up to camp. And then the next morning, we brought it and got it tagged. Um, uh, that's kind of a cool main tradition. You got to bring it to a tagging station and, uh, they, they get like the, the hunter data and they, they tag the bear and that. So kind of a cool main tradition. Kind of like that's super of cool.
1: Do they, do they pull teeth or anything like that? Do they take yep. anything?
3: Yeah. Yeah. They pull, uh, there's like a small tooth behind the canine that they pull. I, I believe that's where it was. Um, and they pull that for data and research and that. Um, so yeah, I got home and bear oil or bear grease is like a a really big thing with the bears so we cut all the fat off it uh, and saved as much fat as we could and i got like four gallons of rendered down oil
1: oh my gosh Uh,
3: yeah yeah so we my wife and i uh jarred it and uh now we got like four gallons of it i've been using it for everything from removing like the the buffing compound on like my knife strap, um to making eggs to we haven't baked with it yet, but it's supposed to be a phenomenal baking oil, uh, like a substitute just for regular oil. And then it, uh, if you brush it on like uh, pie crust and stuff, it crisps up really nice. So yeah, we're looking forward to baking with it. Um, so we did that. I did. I think 15 pounds of sausage. And I did like, uh, like a blueberry sage German sausage with it in case that, that came out awesome. That's what I made for dinner tonight. I did that with, uh, uh, butternut squash and walnuts and craisins and mixed all that with farro and Brussels sprouts and like, uh, like a rice fried rice medley kind of thing. And then had the sausage on the side and
1: it's like the most yeah. fall uh meal I've ever heard Oh yeah.
3: I seasoned it with <laughs> nutmeg. <and> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like you're cooking you fancied it up. It yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the first yeah. Thanksgiving right there for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah. I was I was getting ready to to cook the sausage in the skillet and I realized I used olive oil instead of the barrel oil to to cook the sausage. So I was all bummed out but yeah, it still came out. Awesome. I just wanted to use the bear oil. I use that for everything I can now.
1: That's so awesome, man. Did you do anything taxidermy wise with the bear?
3: Yeah. So I have the, I'm not going to get a rug done because like to get a true bear skin rug done, like they actually make like a real rug out of it. Um, so that, that's real expensive to have the, like an actual rug done. So I just got the pelt done. I'm going to leave the paws in it and the head in it, um, or have the head mounted in it. And, uh, and have a pelt, I can throw over the back of the couch, or put it on the floor if I wanted to, or hang it on a wall, or do whatever I was whatever I want to do with it. So, yeah, that's, that's so awesome,
1: man! I'm s- I'm so glad you got to have that experience. That's so. Oh, it
3: was a one of my favorite hunting experiences to date by far. It was awesome, awesome, definitely would... the, the best hunting experience I've had without my family involved. That's for sure. Those are some of my better memories with my family, but.
0: How is that bear meat, uh, as far as like fatty wise, compared to like a white tail or um, whatever? How did you how did you mix it to make that sausage?
3: So i I did mix it with pork sausage. So, I mean, everything you hear about bears is all they're greasy, um, and when you skin a bear, it is greasy. Like that, your knife is slippery, and I mean, everything's covered in bear fat. Uh, so, it's greasy the bear itself, like once you get into the skin, it's greasy, but the meat is still lean. Um, then it, it is the most mild meat I've had to date. Actually bear and beaver are the two, uh, game meats that I've eaten that are extremely mild and the most beef, like, uh, like even when you get a deer, like you bring a quarter into the kitchen to, to butcher. And that deer has kind of like that musky deer goat kind of smell to it. Um, but the bear, it smelled clean. Everything was super clean. You don't get a bunch of hair in your meat. Um, it, it's by far the cleanest game meat I've worked with so far for sure. Uh, tastes real mild. Um, I've done a bunch of stuff with it. I've done, uh, I do a lot of Hank Shaw recipes, so I've done, um, done the sausage and I also did uh, a chill drone, which is like a Spanish red stew. Um, I did that with the bear. That, that was incredible. So I'm, I'm in a hurry to try all these recipes and really get cooking with it, but I don't want it to go away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have to get another one next fall, man.
3: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's freaking awesome, man. That's so cool. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I want that bear on the, on the log, man. I want that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's sweet. All right. Thanks for, uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. That's freaking awesome.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast. I can't wait to go back.
1: Heck yeah. That's awesome. All right. Let's transition West. Eric, let's move to your neck of the woods, man. Why don't you, why don't you fill us in on on your success this season and set the stage for us a little bit.
0: All right. Um, so I, I have a, I grew up in Michigan, uh, but I've lived in Denver here for about 15 years now, my hunting buddy that, uh, we, we teamed up about four years ago now, and we kind of hunt exclusively together. Uh, part of the reason was, you know, I was hunting with a group of guys here in Colorado and they're, they're great guys and everything, but you know, we went to the same place same week every year. And I was like, you know, we got Wyoming right here. We got Montana right here. I'm like, let's go explore, you know, you, like the, the cost of a out of state tag, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's considerably more like my in-state Colorado elk tags, like 57 bucks. Um, you know, to go to Wyoming or Montana, there's different levels of tags, but they're, you're going to pay at least probably 800 bucks, and you know it's not cheap. I get it, but it's also like what I do, you know. So it's like the expense is worth the experience. Um, anyways, um, so that's why I kind of started hunting other states recently, is because he has to come and hunt out of, out of state anyways, and so we actually hunted uh, Montana in 2019, um, and then we hunted Wyoming the last two seasons. Um, If you ever want to hear a cool grizzly story, I have one from last year. (laughs) That's that's a, yeah, that's a whole different animal, but anyways. um, So we, we drew Montana again this year. This was a limited entry tag. Um, They have preference points and bonus points in Montana. So we had two bonus points and those bonus points are used for their limited entry uh, units. Um, I I think we had like a 60% chance of, um, pulling this tag and we obviously we ended up drawing, you know, so we were super excited. We found out, I think in April, um, I have never been to this part of uh, Montana. It's like North central Montana. Um, my buddy has been there deer hunting before, and then he has another friend that, um, said, Hey, if you guys pull this tag, like I'll help you out. You know, it's like, he's been there before um he's had some some success i can you know i'll tell you about it um tell you where to go what not to do type of thing but the elk are very hard to kill and we're like yeah whatever uh so anyways we we you know e-scouted all summer this you know also do uh, some help from my other buddy and we we thought we knew what we were getting into and it ended up being a whole different animal um
1: it was a pretty rough country where you guys were hunting.
0: Yes, it was very rough country and also there was no water. Well, let me take that back. So there was water, but it was kind of like only where the animals went, which is multiple miles away. That, that was kind of part of the scheme of how you have to hunt these animals is at night they typically go down, they drink, and then they come back up and then they go hide all day. But the water was too far for us, so we had to hike our own water in, which really sucks. Water is not light, obviously, for multiple days. Super heavy. <laughs> yeah, so this uh so I left uh Friday or Thursday after work and drove about halfway up. It was about a twelve hour drive total. Uh, so I drove to about ten o'clock Thursday night. Um, got a hotel, drove in the next day, met my buddy. Uh, filled up the, you know, the trucks and went in and we're driving through and it's, it's gorgeous country. If you, if you've never been up to uh, like North central Montana, there's nothing up there, man. Um, But it's like rolling hills and prairies and it's just, it's, it's peaceful and beautiful. So, I mean, and that's part of the, the adventure, the experience for me is just going to see these cool places. Um, So we weren't sure how far we were going to be able to get in on the road. Uh, We talked to uh, one of the forest service guys there, um, and there was a route that we wanted to take, and he's like, "Now that road's all washed out; you can't go there." And we're like, "Oh, sweet! You know, n- now what are we going to do?" So we ended up talking to another guy. He told us kind of like, "Option A, if that doesn't work, here's Option B." The road ended up being totally fine, so we 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 drove down in there, um, parked the truck, and we knew where we had to go roughly. So we we packed up. Packed up camp. You know, this is a backpack hunt. So, packed up our camp and we decided to take two days worth of food and water in and uh, just kind of go from there. Let's go check it out. Let's see how it is. You know, let's get some feet on the ground and uh, check it out. So, you know, it was a heavy pack and it was probably 70 pounds, I'm guessing. And where, where we were from the truck to get out to where we went ended up being about three and a half miles. So, we get in there and on the way in it's not too bad but once you get down towards that one water source where the animals go it's like deep steep ravines uh it's there's a lot of sheep in that area as well so it's kind of sheep territory and it's a so real territory. dude it's, yeah. it was rough and this is coming <laughs> from a guy who's hunting colorado for the last you know 15 <laughs> years it was rough um see we set up our camp we started checking out the so that we got there a little bit earlier than we expected to um so we were doing some glass on friday night originally like our our plan was like hey we're gonna spot and stock these animals um we've done some spot and stock deer hunts in like south dakota and stuff so we're we're kind of amped on that my normal hunting style here in colorado is like the deep and steep timber you know, 10, 11,000 feet, like rough country, like long days. So I'm like, dude, this is gonna be great. You know, spot and stock out in these rolling hills, like this is gonna be easy. And I was completely wrong. So we started glassing Friday night and I spotted, um, a nice bull and a couple of cows, but you know, they were super far away and we were just, just kind of scouting, you know, we weren't going to go chase anything. We didn't have a whole lot of time. And, uh, everything looks, you know, it looked kind of rough and I was like, you know, it's not gonna be super easy getting up and down through here, but, um, you know, we'll do what we got to do. Um, so the opening, the first day we we're there, um, Saturday, we, you know, we wake up and we, we hear a bugle right away. So we're pumped, you know, we're like, all right, game on, man. Like here we go. So we go and check out where this elk is, you know, bugling and We're looking and looking and we can't find this damn thing. And we we look for probably an hour and the way it is, it's really rocky up there and the noise kind of echoed off the rocks. So it was kind of deceiving a little bit. So you would think it's down here, but yet the echo from the rock kind of made it sound like it was over there and vice versa. And it was, it was really weird. So it took us a while. We finally spot this elk and it's like probably a mile away, mile and a half. It's super far away. So my buddy's like, I want to go make a play on this thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check out this other side. Let's just split up, you know, day one in a new area, you're kind of just doing a lot of scouting, right? Check out the area. So he goes up there. I split off. Um, I didn't, I didn't see anything. I was glassing this other side of this, um, this ridge. And we we met up back at camp, you know, halfway through the day and, He's just like, dude, that, that stuff sucks. I'm like, dude, it can't be that bad. So he's like, no, he's like, really, it's, it's pretty, pretty terrible to walk through. I'm like, all right. So that evening we go back up, you know, we're, we go back in glass and um, trying to find this bull and he's still way the heck up there. My buddy never got to him. Um, He's way up there. I'm like, all right, let's, let's go, let's go see what we can do. You know, let's go up there and throw some calls at him or see if we can get around to, you know, on top of them or whatever. So we track through this stuff and, uh, it's real, like, it's really steep and it's really loose. So we're walking down there and you're, you know, you got your bow, you got your pack and you're just slipping and sliding everywhere. And like I said, it's like, there's like sheep trails that you're taking around these ridges and stuff like that. And it's just, it was pretty, it was pretty hairy. So we make your archery
1: archery hunting, right? For clarification. Yes. So you you have to walk everything. You you don't have a choice. Yeah, there,
0: yeah, there's no taking a 600-yard shot across the <laughs> canyon or anything like that. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. yeah. So you're in it.
0: I, you're in it. So we get down this first path, you know, and I'm just like, gosh, like this is terrible. And we're walking through. And once you're down in it, you realize how nasty it is. You, you're looking back up and like you can barely see the spot that we were glassing from that morning. And you know, these ravines are thirty, forty feet deep. They kind of what there's a couple old like river beds that go through there and you have to climb up these giant walls. And it's like, I'm like, dude, what did we get ourselves into? Like <laughs> this is not like Are you just thinking be... like
1: how bad the packouts gonna be?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we make our way up about uh, probably about three quarters of the way to where this bull is, and we're glassing, and he's another, you know. I don't even know how far he was quarter to a half a mile away. He he's still way up there. Well, let me let me go back. So we saw his cows up there, and we heard him bugling. We could not physically see him, but I'm like, you know, he's not far away. That bull is not going to leave those cows. So we're watching for about a half hour, looking through my spotter, and all of a sudden, down through these, um, like these cliffs, came together, and there's like this little sheep trail. Like I'm through, and all of a sudden, boom. That bull pops out. I'm like, how did he even get up there? You know, it's an 800 pound, this is a big elk. So I, I don't know if you saw my story when I was hunting up there. I put a picture of this bull on my story. It's probably a 350 inch bull. Like he's a big bull. And he like comes through this sheep trail. I'm like, how are we even supposed to get up there, dude? Like this is ridiculous. So it was, we had like an hour before dark and there was just no physical way to get up there, make a play on him. Um, so we just packed up and, um, we went back to camp. Just uh, wasn't going to happen. No, not that night. No, there's no way. And like I said, day one, we were just, we were feeling everything out. Where are the elk? Where are they going? Where are they coming to, uh, you know, what's going on with them? And the, and the information that we got from another friend, you know, he was, was, was dead on and, you know, we, we obviously trusted this guy. So they go down to this water source at night. And they go up these ravines. For the most part, these ravines and all this stuff, it's pretty open. There's small pockets of pine trees. But then at the very top, before it gets back to the prairies, uh, it's pretty thick, nasty pockets. And that's where these elk go hide, and they just sit in there all day. And that's what was true. That's where these elk, they they just came out of this little thick pocket, and they're kind of grazing around it. And that was it. (laughs) And we also watched uh, to see if those elk were going to come down at night and they didn't so like it got dark and they just stayed right there and we we're like, dude, like, how are we going to get to these things? You know? <laughs> so we're like, maybe we you know, we'll go set up on the edge of these, try to find where these elk are, go set up on the edge, do some calling sequences and just try to pull them out. Um, so the next day we kind of went back up there. Everything was in the morning. It was completely silent. Nothing was happening. And we we're like, man, you know, these elk are up in these pockets, but they're not, bugling you know that at least that day and we're like we just got to put boots on the ground and try to go find them so we did the, so the next probably two days turned out like this um is like we just started putting boots on the ground get up and go hunt through all these deep pockets and try to find elks. do some calling set up and we were just striking out um and the weather was hot it was uh probably 75 at during the day And it probably got down to about 50 at night, which is not real cold. Or, I mean, it's not real, you know, cold at night. And when you're full camo and you got a pack and you're climbing through the mountains, 75 degrees, frankly, it sucks. Like we were just, Ah, we were sweating, man. Um, And the limited water that, that was really pretty crappy. So we brought our two days of food and water in. So Sunday it was, it was hot during the day and, you know, sometimes during the day, you, you just, you're not doing a whole lot of hunting. You, it's kind of a morning, evening type thing, right? So we hunt back to the truck and we we got back out there and um, we filled up three days worth of food and water. And I brought, there was some weather coming in on the radar. So I brought my rain gear back in with me and my pack ended up being like 60 pounds, to, you know, going back <laughs> in there and like, I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like how much just humping around. And again, it's three and a half miles each way. So it's a seven mile round trip. Uh, Sunday evening was more of the same, just trying to spot elk and wasn't happening. So we were we were getting pretty down. Uh, Monday, trying trying to think of the whole train chain of events here. There's a couple of days that they all kind of blend together that they're all pretty similar like that. That one bull disappeared for a couple days. We would see another. Bowl, like pop out maybe right at evening but again he's up in one of these crevices that i, I don't know how you're getting to or you would have to go or you'd have to go around to the top and know he was up there to make a play but like i said they hide during the day and they were not talking um so you, you had no clue they were up there so lots of lots of lots of time behind glass um, there's these other couple pockets that we were trying to work and we would see, we saw a couple of elk over there so, and we were trying to get a pattern of, all right, where are these things going? Where are they, where are they bedding? Um, when they do leave, where are they going? We, there was this another, uh, pocket that was kind of by our camp actually about a half mile from camp. We saw a bunch of cows go into one day, um, and we did see a bull pop out of there right one evening and we just, we just couldn't get on them. It was too, it was too too late so we were, we were starting to find some patterns of what these elk were doing and obviously like you can't really pattern an elk like you can pattern a white tail, right like they just they're just completely different animals but these animals were kind of doing similar things they weren't consistently doing it every day but you know every third day every fourth day they would take similar paths to go from the water source up to a couple different bedding spots um I think it was Wednesday morning, you know, so we've been up there for like four days and striking out. We were pretty frustrated. You know, we were hot. It was, it was, it was hot. And um, it was also really windy. Uh, at night, sleeping sucked because we were kind of up on this area and it wasn't super covered. And, you know, we would have 20, 30 mile an hour winds trying to sleep in the tent. <laughs> long, long nights of not a lot of sleep. It um, sounds
1: like Wyoming with the wind just whipping.
0: It's very similar to Wyoming. Yeah. It was Wednesday morning. We got up and we kind of we split up. We're like, "Hey, let's go just cover some different ground each, and you know, and see see what what can happen." Instead of just trying to, you know, because it was such a vast area. Uh, And we when we had we actually had decent cell phone service. We we were anticipating zero service, so we actually got to our camp. At our camp and up at the higher ridges, we had cell phone service, which is nice. As soon as you dropped in, you didn't, but it was nice. So it's like you know. If someone were to get into something, whatever, run back up, send a text message, you know, and you could, you know, take a picture of your onyx or whatever. So at least you can be like, hey, I'm over here, or I got into elk over here, or whatever. Anyways, uh, so Wednesday morning, I went down by myself to this uh, this thick pack, uh, this thick patch of trees that we were um, we saw elk in the day before, and I set up on this outside right at um, right at sunrise, and I just started this cow calling sequence a couple times you know over the course of five or ten minutes and you know nothing's happening okay
2: like, eh, you know
0: it's not looking super, super good right now <laughs> typically in colorado or the wyoming hunts like when you're talking the elk are talking back during the rut like it's awesome like you're having you know you're you're doing cow cows they're bugling back to you hey i'm over I'm, here
2: I'm yeah. you're
0: having conversation with elk and it's even if you're not really getting into elk hardcore like it's still fun like you're talking to the elk they're bugling uh right. you know you, you're having that and, and like we didn't have any of that the elk were not talking like we had that <laughs> one bull that bugled up one day we had another one that was bugling a little bit another day but we would see elk we would call at them they would not respond and it was just like gosh like how are how are we going to do this you know anyway so so i continued with my cow calling sequence and all of a sudden like i saw like a nice five by five he starts trotting across this middle i'm like oh shit game on and um <laughs> i'm all ready and got my rangefinder out and he's at like 87 yards and which obviously it's a little bit too far for a poke and he comes to this point where he can go left and come closer to me or go right and go around it And of course he stops and he kind of looks, he's looking for the cow, right? And he goes around because he's just leery. He doesn't see anything when elk, thing about elk is when they call, when you call, they know exactly where that call is coming from. They know what tree, what rock, whatever, like they're so smart. So he knew where I was, you know, where the, something
1: should be there.
0: Something should be there. And it's not, you know, and it's very, it's happened a thousand times. Like it's very typical so the he went around to the right which went farther away from me and i was like damn it so he was out there at like 97 yards or something like that and he hung around for a couple minutes and he's looking and looking and he didn't like it he got nervous and took off which was cool i mean uh, that was kind of like normal elk hunting right um so there's a little bit of excitement it was also kind of a bummer because we did split up and if you have a typical caller shooter setup you know, you're going to put that shooter 40 to 50 yards in front of you. Um, and he would have had a 40 to 50 yard shot. So we could have, you know, potentially taken that bull. So that was kind of a bummer that, it, you know, it didn't work out like that. Um, in the meantime, you know, I went back to camp at like lunchtime or whatever. And that was the only action I had that morning, went back to camp and talked to my buddy and he was chasing some bull up some crazy ravine and, you know, just, couldn't, could make it happen. And I was like, I think, you know, I was like, I think, you know, this, this worked, right. I was like, you know, I set up next to this, this bedding area. I made some calls. Like, we're on to something, I think, you know, like, let's try it. So Wednesday night, we, we kind of went to this new area. Well, we knew of the other side of this uh, bedding area set up, nothing happened. Wednesday night we have another storm rip through and we're up like all night we were actually at the point where like me and my buddy got up at like one o'clock in the morning we got full address we're in separate tents we got full address we're outside the tents like dude are our tent's gonna like rip away like it was like it had to be 30 to 40 mile in our winds it was pretty insane and we're just like dude what do we do right now like just hold hold on and hang out for a couple hours so we wake up in the morning and you know, we're exhausted. It, it We went to, we were up for probably two hours and it starts raining. It starts raining pretty good. And we're just like, dude, I don't, let's just hang out. You know, let's <laughs> hunting in the rain sucks. Right. You know, so yeah. we, uh, we went back to bed for probably an hour. And uh, it's like 45 in, in cold rain, you know, so it's kind of polar opposite from the 75 and sun. It was kind of nice. So we kind of did a little recharge, which is nice. And <clears throat> did a little soul searching, which, you know, when, when you, when you're on day five of a hunt and you've had no action and you're hiking your tail off and you're sweating and grinding and, you know, the mental aspect of, of that hunt really starts to kick in. So it was yeah. kind of nice. We, you know, we, we, sat in the tents we did a little soul searching uh i had an extra cup of coffee and just you know pe- pep talked or it was funny because we both like kind of pep talked internally and then when we got you know it stopped raining and we kind of got out of the tent we're like all right dude like let's go do this like we recharged the batteries like you know got each other fired it. back up yeah you know we we kind of uh slapped each other around a little bit i so, said you know you know let's, let's go do this. You know, we came here to kill elk and you know, we, it's tough, but that's, that's elk hunt. Elk elk, elk that, hunt is not easy.
1: That's really important. And like anybody who's hunted long enough will experience that at some point, like the frustration and it's so easy to become <laughs> dejected, you know? And like, I've taken myself out of the game before, you know, or just like mentally I'm checked out and Oftentimes that's when shit happens and I've been caught with my pants down because I've just mentally been like, Oh my gosh, how can things get any worse than this? And it's so important, especially to have a hunting buddy like yours to like someone to like put you in check and like, be like, no, 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 we're out here to have a good time. You know, elk or not, like, you know, you need to have that kind of hunting buddy to get you back in the game.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I left the hunt last year, five days early out of a 10 day hunt, just because I wasn't prepared for the mental side of things. So that's, that's huge and obviously rewarding to stick it through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of preach that, you know, I know, I, I know we're new friends here, but if you ever follow, you know, follow my Instagram for long enough, I kind of, I kind of preach that mental game too. You know, it's not just about working out, being physically strong. It's doing hard things to prepare mentally. Um, you know, I did CrossFit for a very long time. Um, I've run half marathon, done other stuff like that. And, you know, when you get into some workouts or a race or whatever, it's, it's all, it's like campaign says, man, it's all mental and it really is. And you, you really have to have a strong mental game to get through. Um, and that's where my buddy and I were really good hunting partners. Um, you know, I'll, a couple days in and things are going rough and, you know, I'll, I'll get a little grumpy and, you know a little bitchy or whatever and he'll you know be like dude snap out of it man and it goes the other way too you know he'll start grumping around and kicking rocks around and stuff i'm like dude snap out of it like let's go you know we're here yeah. for 10 days or five days or whatever and
1: we're hunting or you know, moping,
0: moping, moping around is not going to kill an elk so let's you know let's go grab your yeah. purse and let's go <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that was Thursday morning, so it was, it was good to actually have that little refresher and slow down for a few minutes. Um, we, we ended up, um, getting right back out there early that day and we made our rounds through kind of this pattern of kind of stuff that we were doing we were striking out. Um, and the Thursday evening came around and we went out to this glassing spot that we were kind of. Uh, hitting up a lot and my buddy spots a bull not straight down from us but really close to where this drop-in point is somewhere where you can actually drop we you know now as we learned this area we found some drop-in points off all these uh cliffs and bluffs and stuff like that you know the first couple days we were taking the super sketchy route which really sucked and we after learning it, you know the area a little bit more we found some better paths to go down there so my buddy's like all right dude i'm gonna drop down there um stay up here and you know let me know where the elk is we had some signs kind of worked out he's like i'm gonna you know put you in my binoculars and you just tell me if the elk moved or where he went or whatever um so when my buddy got up and he kind of walked around the ridge which is the only way down um that elk saw him and he was gone so, you know, and I can't communicate with my buddy. So my buddy gets down there and of course he's all pumped to go chase this, you know, it wasn't anything special, but at this point we're like, dude, an elk's an elk. Um, <laughs> so he glasses me and I'm just like, the elk is gone. Uh, and he's all bummed. And then he, we heard a bugle off in the distance and it was of course one up in one of these crazy canyons. And, uh, my buddy's like, well, while I'm down here, I'm just going to go mosey up there and try to make a play. And that I ended up, I, I watched for a while, and that's where that bull. And if that was a satellite bull from this herd, and he ended up going straight up to that herd. There was a there was a big bull, and that satellite and probably like six cows, and um, they were way up there. And that bull was not letting those cows leave at all. He was a couple of them would try to walk away, and he was herding them up. So it was kind of cool to watch. Um, this one was bugling, like I said, and I think it was more that ga- that gathering bugle because the cows were trying to kind of wander away and he was just kind of reining him back in. And it was later, it was probably like six 30 at night. And I was thinking about jumping down there and joining, him be like, Hey, let's boogie up here. Um, but I was like, man, I just, I don't think he has enough time to get up there. So I'm just going to go let him do his thing. And I'm going to go check out this other spot since I, you know, I I can't, you know, I can't do anything here. So I went and checked this other spot, which is another bedding area and this trail that leads down to it. And as I'm going there, I hear a bugle on the other side of the ridge. I'm like, if those, from what we've noticed so far and what we've patterned, I guess you want to call it, if those bulls or elk are up there, they either come down this way and they go towards this bedding area or they go up over the hill the other way. So I'm like, well, if he comes down here, I need to go get my butt in position. So I scurry over there and it's like I said before, it's like these, it's pretty open. There's these thick bedding areas and everything else is pretty open. So there's like this pine tree that's like, I'm I'm six one. This pine tree is probably about five, nine. <laughs> so I, I'm like behind this pine tree. Cause I can see him now. He pops up over the ridge, throw a few cow calls. And all of a sudden he comes just trotting down straight at kinda like, not straight at me, but kind of like to my right. And he stops there and I range him and he's at like 82 yards. And th- so it's also, it's getting real, it's getting pretty dark at this point. And, uh, I'm like, shit, I'm like 82, man. Like I shoot a lot. I'm comfortable 60, 70 if I have to, you know what I mean? But you know, all of a sudden this bull, you know, he was on top of me like super fast. And, um, I'm like, I can't shoot that. He was kind of on a mound. I was on a mound, and there was a, a valley between us. And again, you know, he was looking for where that sound came from. So he can't, he just comes trotting straight at me, a beeline, like right at me. <laughs> you know? All of a sudden he disappears down in this valley. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, dude, he's coming at me. So I just You're go to full draw. Like in your lap. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, dude, he's coming straight at me. I'm going to full draw. And I'm going to have to frontal this thing when he pops up over this hill. (laughs) So, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, and it, it didn't let, you know, only a couple seconds. And he went to the right of this mound and let out one of those like little gathering bugle type things. So I knew he moved around. I couldn't see him yet. So at full draw, I take like probably five or six steps. And now I can see down the other side of this mound. And he was down there and I'm assuming he heard me walk. So he's looking back at me and he's quartering decent quarter nothing crazy and he's downhill a little bit and my full draw and i have nothing ranged you know i'm in the middle of this damn field so i'm looking i'm just like and he's pretty far it looks like about 50 yards so i'm like i got a three pin so i put my 50 pin on him and i send in just whack. and i'm just i couldn't see my arrow hit him uh, I don't shoot light in knocks or anything. I said, it was right at dark. I, I you know, it was legal shooting hours, everything like that. I just couldn't see my arrow hit him, but I heard it and I was like, I hit him good. I know I hit him good. And he takes off running and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, holy crap, did that just happen? <laughs> Cause it, it happened so fast. <laughs> so I'm sitting there for a couple minutes and I range the spot where the bull was and my range finder, 48.2 yards. All right. So you were, you were close. So I put my 50 pin on him, and, you know, I just heard that thud of like the rib, you know, a rib cage hit, you know, if you've done it enough, you know what it sounds like. So I'm like, dude, I think, I think I just drilled that bowl. And (laughs) so I sit there for like five minutes and I don't go down there because I was like, I I know I hit him, but you know, did I hit him in the liver? Did I single lung him? Like, you know, of all those thoughts that are going through your head, you know, I'm looking at my Onyx, I marked my spot and, I'm just kind of frazzled. Like I'm just frazzled. I don't know, you know, what to do right now. I'm like, I, I can't go chase him. I'm just going to sit How here. far
1: away is your buddy?
0: So my, so my buddy at that point, he was that he was down on this ridge kind of basically where that bull went. The ridge comes up and the bedding area is like down below the ridge. Um, so after about, probably 15 minutes you know I'm just standing in this field just like holy crap you know (laughs) just kind of just kind of you know just waiting and I knew he'd come up at some point but I was like I gotta give this bull time uh, no matter what so I see his headlamp start coming up the trail and I have my headlamp and I know he sees me it's it's pitch dark now and about five minutes goes by and I hear, like I said, this area is really rocky. And I hear some like hooves on a rock. And it was like a stumble almost. And then I hear a brr. And I was like, oh, what was that? You know, <laughs> so my, so my buddy comes up, it takes me about five minutes to get here. You know, I'm standing in the middle of this field with my headlamp on. And my buddy's like, dude, did you just kill a bull? I was like. I think so. <laughs> you know, because I was, I was still just like, you know, in shock of what happened because it happened so fast. And he's like, Yeah, I just heard it die. He's like, <laughs> He's like, Did you hear that? I was like, Yeah, I did hear that. He's like, That's a death mode. I'm like, Are you sure? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, All right. You know, and, and uh, that's what it sounded like to me. But, you know, like I said, you just have so many thoughts going through your brain at this time. Yeah.
1: Especially when you're solo and you don't have <laughs> someone to bounce your thoughts off
0: of. Exactly, yeah. um, so I you know I tell him the story of what happened and he's like, well, dude, let's go down to you know where you hit him and find your arrow and all that stuff. So we went right down there and uh, we could find my arrow, and we started getting on uh, not a lot of blood, but it was it was good blood and um, you know just a couple spots here you know here and he's like he's like, why are we even tracking this thing? He's like, I know where that thing died. He's like, I walked right by it when it died so I'm like all right fair enough and this you know this thicket area wasn't overly big so I was like you know we ever have to come back and backtrack like we're not going to get lost um and there was a couple things there was like the valley that goes in the bottom and there was like this couple different tiers to this bedding area And you went to the bottom and I went up to the second level and we walked probably 150 yards and all of a sudden my light hit his horns and I'm like, dude, he, he, there he is, you know? And I just, there I didn't is. know. And, and also like during this whole thing, like I didn't know how big this bull was. Cause it like, happened so I, fast. Cause it happened so fast. Like I saw a bull and like, I wasn't like, you know, I was be like, Oh, he's only a 300 inch bull. I don't want to shoot him. You know, any kind of crap like that. Like I was just like, it's a bull. I need to get ready. Like um, I'm killing this bull. If he's a four point bowler, he's a seven point bull. Like I'm killing this bull. So I knew, you know, he was pretty good. So, you know, we finally walked up to him and I picked him up and I'm like, dude, this is a big ball. This is a huge ball. And like we, I was just, yeah, it, it, it was it was crazy, man, how, how fast it happened and how everything worked out perfect. Uh, I ended up hitting him. I hit him almost perfect. Um, I hit him about halfway up the body and it was a downhill angle and it went double long and it went into his offside shoulder and buried in there so that's why we didn't find the arrow um the back the front six inches of the arrow broke off um i don't know i don't know ever know what happened to the back end of the arrow but um i'll shoot an iron will and it, it it just buried into that offside shoulder and it did its job
1: golly that's freaking awesome man
3: yeah that's incredible the pictures were awesome too, man. That that thing was humongous.
1: Dude, that bull is huge. Are you a score guy, Eric? Uh
0: I'm not a huge score guy. I'm gonna guess just from other bulls that I've know roughly score. He's probably gonna be, and he's. I'm just getting a euro down of him right now. Um, he's probably between three twenty and three thirty.
1: That's a big elk, man.
0: So he's he's big good
3: for you (laughs) that's
0: awesome
1: that's so awesome and i know the feeling when when your headlamp hits those hits those antlers man it's just like you're like oh so much relief and like you're like uh, everything worked out and all the all the questions and thoughts in your mind like dissipate and you're just like yes okay yeah i can breathe
0: we can breathe um and and yeah it, it just it was cool that it happened the day of that morning, where we kind of, you know, kind of recollected ourselves and said, "All right, you know, let's get our shit together." You know, anything can happen at any time. Yeah. And, you know, it's night, elk hunting. And- yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, when I, you know, I'm a bigger guy, and like I'm, I'm six one, two hundred five pounds. I got pretty big hands. I can't put my hands around the bases of these elk, and <laughs> up where, up where his four and five are, I can't put my hands around how thick that is either. Gosh, like, it's a big sure. bull, dude.
1: <laughs> Chris, have you hunted elk before? You've hunted I have, Colorado, yeah.
3: Right? I didn't get one. I was in Colorado, yep.
1: I just can't, like, it's hard for, like, me and Bobby to, like, wrap our heads around animals with horns that big. It's, like, it's yeah. hard to See, contemplate.
0: The, <laughs> e- even just, like, so m- the first elk I ever shot was just the cow with a rifle. And, like I said, I grew up in Michigan. We used to shoot whitetail. The whitetail up there were not overly big. They were medium body nothing they weren't like texas small but they weren't like corn fed iowa bucks they were you know kind of in the middle it's first time i ever shot a cow elk she was a big elk you know she was cows are probably four to five hundred pounds you know a bull is between six and eight hundred pounds and i shot you know probably you know right in the middle cow 450 pounds and i was by myself and i shot this thing and i walked up to him like what am I going to do with this thing? This thing is <laughs> what have, gigantic. have I done? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I know the feeling of like, it's hard to put into perspective how big it is compared to like even a whitetail or, you know, even a big mule deer or whatever. Like he's a big bull. It was, it, it was a super cool experience. And, um, my buddy and I, we, we worked together well and we got them all quartered up and, um, we deboned everything and uh luckily we were only about a half a mile from base camp so uh got got them all quartered I got the head off and everything like that um it's probably about one o'clock in the morning I finally got my last trip back to base camp (laughs) and fortunately that night it was starting to cool off the the couple nights before that at night it was starting to cool off and it it was probably about 50 degrees at that point, but it was that stupid sustained, you know, 15 mile an hour wind. And it got down to about 45 degrees at night within with that wind chill. It was probably about 40 degrees, maybe even high 30s with the wind chill. So we put that meat right up on top of the hill right by our base camp and um, just let that wind get it out all night. And it just it cooled it off cooled like it off. like I couldn't have asked for better conditions to hang meat in.
1: That's amazing. It's uh... Hunting's the best man. Things just work <laughs> out sometimes, man. things just work out.
0: yeah, they they do and you just you gotta like like we just talked about you gotta stay positive and um, you know after you've been doing stuff for a while, um, you know you you sometimes you get a little bit lucky and sometimes just your experience pays off in certain situations. and I feel like the amount of time that I have personally put into archery shooting, uh, tuning my own bows arrows like the whole nine yards probably the last four years now I, I feel like it really paid dividends just with that shot alone just because it was like from experience you know I shoot a 3d course here in Colorado that's 15 minutes from my house and it's an awesome course um, you know all these 3d targets there's out full-size elk targets and mule deer targets and everything um, you know they're all 50 to 70 yards away so from the experience I had from shooting this course two or three times a week, every, you know, summer for the last how many years, you know, just to be able to go and field judge that elk, make that shot. And it was just, it was like second nature to me. You know, I I feel like as someone that didn't have some experience, probably one, you know, they might've not be able to make that shot. So it just shows that, you know, a little bit of hard work and preparation can really pay off.
1: Yeah. I think in a lot of scenarios that would have been, a wounded bull, right? Right, and that's you know every hunter's worst nightmare, and you know putting in the repetitions like field judging yardage is not easy. Like that's no. something I'm terrible at, and it's it's not it's not easy. It's why you need to carry a rangefinder, and you being able because you did all those repetitions and being able to guess. 50 yards and then being at 48.6 or whatever like that's <laughs> that's skill man you you have to be able to put in the work to be able to accomplish that and then you know using your experience hunting elk and knowing you know when to make that play and make that move down to that single pine tree and like well he's either going to come this way or that way like it's a it's a game of inches sometimes man you got to make the right calls you know in a row to 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 make it happen
0: Right. If I would have done something five minutes different, either way, you know what? I could have came home without an elk very, very easily. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome.
3: God, that's congratulations awesome.
1: that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank congratulations.
0: You, He's a, a was, heck of a bull, man. <laughs> it was good. And then we had the long pack out to the truck. It was, you know, three and a half miles each way. and yes. uh,
3: How many trips? So two trips? So we took
0: two trips each.
3: Yep. yep.
0: That was the quarter. So, so we did, uh, 14 miles total on Friday and then we, actually Friday then we then you know we came back Friday so then I still had the head the head and horns uh still at camp um Friday night we, we went right back out hunting and you know we saw this bull down in the stupid ravine but my my buddy's like should we chase it I'm like hell yeah we should chase it I was like dude we came here to shoot elk and he's like this is why you're my hunting partner man he's like most people are lazy and they're not going to, you know, we just walked 14 miles, you know, with, you know, 60 plus pound packs, you know, it's, we were pretty, we were pretty shot at that point, but I was like, dude, we came here to kill elk. Like, let's, you know, if we got to stay up for the next three nights, like who cares? So we went yeah. made up another play on the elk Friday night. Uh, I actually thought it was one of our better, what what I thought was going to be one of our better encounters. It was like a, it was a decent five by five and he was up in one of those, it, it wasn't as far of a crisis. He was up in one of these things and he was all by himself. So I'm like, dude, like, let's get in there. He's going to come down. Let's throw some cow cows out. Like he's searching for a cow. Like let's go make this happen. And we got into position. The wind was right. And we were calling and calling and calling and that bull just disappeared. We never saw him. Mm. But
2: Seagost.
0: I was like, yeah. But like on the way down there, I was like, D-, like I had such a good feeling about it. So it was, it was pretty disappointing that we didn't give my buddy a bull. Um, you know, but that that's hunting, man. You know, you, you can't both tag out with archery elk every year. That's almost impossible. <laughs> to do.
1: That's, well, that's a tall ask for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, what kind of boots do you wear? Eric? I wear Lathrop and sons. You like them? I love them.
1: I've never heard of so that
0: company before. So they're, <laughs> they're oh, a stiffer. Right. Uh, well, you can get them custom. I, I didn't go through that, po- that process. Um, I actually had a, an foot ankle issue started not this summer, but the summer before. And it kind of led me to Lathrop and sons. Um, I had, I have do, I've been banged up physically for like a year and a half now. I had a shoulder injury and I, so I couldn't do CrossFit. So I'm like a seasonal runner in the spring and summer. I love to run fall and winter. I, I don't ever run. So it was spring of previous year, hurt my shoulder. It's like, sorry, I'm just gonna take some time off from CrossFit. I'm just going to go running. Well, I, I was in super good shape at the time and I've always been a pretty good runner. So, you know, I have a big, nice trail system here. And, um, I got up to running, I was running like 10 miles within a couple of weeks and it just, to me it was no big deal, but you need to condition your feet and your ankles and your body to that running, especially being a bigger guy, you know, it's just a lot of wear and tear. Anyways, I acquired plantar fasciitis and I had a posterior, tibial tendon syndrome. It's a mouthful. Mm. Anyways, it it's, it's a tendon that runs from the middle of your shin that goes on the inside of your ankles and attaches to the bottom of your foot. And if you pronate at all, which I'm, I have flat feet, so I naturally pronate, um, you can really piss it off. And it's a kind of a crappy injury. So summer before this one, I acquired both of those just like that. And if anybody's ever had plantar fasciitis, like is the, is the worst thing in the world. It's like you get up in the morning and you take a step and it's like you step on like a bed of nails. Like it's awful.
1: It's debilitating. It,
0: It is. So then I was having ankle stability issues anyways. I used to always run crispy boots. I've never had an issue with them. Um, but I needed a stiffer boot for more rigidity in the ankle and the shank. So it doesn't flex as much. Um, and I had a recommendation from these guys. I looked them up and I talked to them, um, they're kind of a cool boot company. They are based out of Southern Illinois, but they make mountain boots, right? Doesn't doesn't totally make sense, but it's it, it's the two brothers started this company, and they their father was a podiatrist forever, so they oh, cool. they worked with their father forever. They worked in this podiatry firm forever, and they're big hunters, and they started making boots, and they're awesome boots, and they become they have become very popular. Um, I don't know if you ever go on rock slide or any of these other hunting forums and stuff like that. There, there's a lot of reviews on there, but there's a lot of people that are starting to uh, use these boots and uh, I absolutely love them. They're, they're they're fantastic.
1: That's awesome. Bobby, let's get them on the podcast.
2: I'm I'm on it. I'm already, I'm already (laughs) searching them up and everything. I got it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. Good pair of boots in that country. Seems like that would be worth its weight in gold. Absolutely man that's so awesome well congratulations man it's awesome to hear the the full story apart from just the pictures but uh that was an impressive elk man so congrats Thank to you. you
0: appreciate
3: it that's motivating i'm wow. excited to get out for elk next year now
1: yeah i've get never back been out there i've never been i got a pile of points in colorado i got a pile of points in wyoming and i got points in montana so maybe i need to give you a phone All call points there. no hunts <laughs> Yeah. Well I'm obsessed with, I'm obsessed with mule deer right now, so like I haven't switched gears. But points we'll get, are a commodity. We'll yeah. We'll get after it one day. I'll cash them in. Thinking, I've got like seven points in Colorado and seven oh, in wow. Wyoming.
0: I have Dude, new that's mind. pretty good.
1: Yeah, I could go somewhere.
0: I got another mm-hmm. uh, rifle elk hunt here in a week and a half.
1: Heck, yeah. So we'll you we'll have you on for part two. After I hope successful.
2: so.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Heck, yeah. Well, fellas, we're rolling up on an hour and a half right now. And uh, I think this is a pretty good uh, place to let off. And you know what we'll do for part two is we'll have Chris back on with his moose kill. And we'll have Eric back I on with so. his rifle elk. And Bobby and I will be here twiddling our thumbs until... <laughs> Just talking about buying points. That's all we're going to be
2: doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, congratulations to you both. This has been awesome. I I love this and I think it's really cool. We're going to get a bunch of people on here to be able to tell their stories and kind of share.
3: Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone else.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, me too, man. I think this is really cool. So yeah, first first episode, success in the field. Check. Check. Crushed it, guys. Um, Awesome. Yeah, Chris, where can uh, where can people find you on Instagram, man?
3: Well, I was formerly known as at Bam Bam Rampage, but I have since changed my name to at <laughs> dot I noticed uh, that. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a old nickname that followed me around. That kind of you keep the so.
2: nicknames to the grave, man, to the <laughs> fucking grave. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So. At C yeah. dot c.d.page is where I am now.
1: C.d.page. Dot dot uh, yeah, go follow Chris for some high-speed uh, photography work. Hit him up with any archery questions that you have, and we're going to be looking at a moose here soon. And if you want to look at uh, the bear that he took.
3: Yeah, picture of the bear there. For sure. Man. Uh, and also, if you want to share with me your elk zones for next year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you want GPS I- coordinates?
3: Yeah, I, I yeah. open those DMs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Chris, Chris's DMs are open to On X So
0: <laughs> I definitely can't give away any uh, honey holes, but I can uh, definitely help try to get you in the right direction for sure. Awesome. There you go, Eric. You where can
1: where can people find you on
0: Instagram, man? I am at Training for the Hunt. Training
1: for the Hunt, which is a legit name. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Training for the hunt. Go, uh, go drop Erica. Follow. Look, look at that big giant bull that he killed, and uh, I just love, I love all the stuff you post, man.
0: It's motivating.
1: I like your workout stuff.
0: Appreciate that, man. And that's that's kind of why I started that Instagram page. Was just uh, I have another personal page. I haven't even looked at it in probably three years now. Honestly, uh, I started this page um, to kind of focus on. What uh, what I want to focus on motivating people, motivating things, uh, you know, hunting, CrossFit, athletics, whatever, uh, purely for that. And I also try to post stuff and motivate people too, and you know, stuff like that. That was kind of the purpose of why I started uh, this handle for this Instagram
1: yeah i love it man it's it's motivating and you got some awesome landscapes on here and yeah really cool page so go drop erica follow guys uh listeners we appreciate the hell out of you guys uh go follow hunt lift Eat official on instagram go follow the hunt lift Eat podcast uh so we can get bobby and his new pair of shoes christmas is coming up drop a follow get bobby a nice christmas gift
2: and uh yeah we appreciate the hell out of you guys and we will talk to you next week